Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Well, we are in week four, the final week of our conversation on the book of Jonah. I've loved going through this book. Uh, it's been uh, it's been good for me. Uh, so we've said over and over again that most people only know one thing about the book of Jonah. They know about the whale. And we've been hoping to provide a little bit more context, help people learn a little bit more, maybe do some unlearning and relearning about this beautiful narrative that's about humanity and grace and honesty and all the things. And so uh, we're going to do for the last time, like we've been doing every week, we're going to look at the big picture narrative. We're going to kind of walk through the big plot points, and then we're going to zoom in on the last chapter, on Jonah chapter 4, and look at it together. So uh, Jonah was a Hebrew prophet, and it says uh, in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, that the word of the Lord came to Jonah and commanded him to go to the, to the city of Nineveh and preach. But um, Jonah hated the Ninevites. He didn't want to go to Nineveh, so he fled and he went the opposite direction. Jonah was trying to get to the city of Tarshish. And on his way, he took a boat. And while he was on the boat, there was a big storm and he got thrown off the boat. And while he was about to die in the middle of the sea, a whale, a huge fish, it says, swallowed Jonah. Jonah lived in the fish for three days and three nights. And while he was inside the fish, he prays this prayer to God. And eventually the fish vomits him back up on shore. This is all in there. I'm not just making this up. The fish vomits Jonah back onto shore. And then once again, God asks him, God says, please, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh and preach. And this time, probably because the last time he fled, he got swallowed by a whale. This time Jonah obeys God and he goes to the city of Nineveh. When he shows up in Nineveh, he preaches a really short sermon. He walks through the entire city, and he preaches this really short sermon, and it turns out that all those people that Jonah hated turned to God. They repented, and they turned and worshiped God. And then finally, where we're going to land today in Jonah chapter 4, Jonah's really mad. Jonah's mad that God was kind that God relented, that God offered mercy on his enemies. He's mad that God showed mercy. And so uh, last week we looked at at chapter 3, where Jonah goes, finally goes to the city of Nineveh, and he preaches this sermon. And uh, Andre did a really great job of humanizing Jonah. It's easy for me to kind of look down on Jonah. And what Andre did was just say, wow, he, he actually was obedient. Like, gotta give him some credit for that. Most of us aren't actually that obedient most of the time. He did do what God asked him to do. And then this group of people were really humble and, uh, and turn to God. And then we get to Jonah chapter four, where, where, God is, uh, where Jonah is angry that God has shown mercy. In this, Jonah chapter four, I think it's so important because it just wraps up the whole story. Uh, it is the summary passage. Uh, it kind of tells us what the entire point of all of it was. Uh, we like that. We like to know what the point was. We kind of struggle with just a story. We're like, well, what's the point of the story? So we get a little bit of that in Jonah chapter 4. And then uh, maybe more interestingly, uh, in Jonah chapter 4, unlike the rest of the book, God starts talking back to Jonah. So they have a little bit of a dialogue, and then God uh God has this object lesson for Jonah. So we're going to read uh, all of chapter four. We've done this a couple of times. Just read the whole chapter. It's 11 verses, so just stick with me. But we're going to read the whole chapter and then kind of zoom in on this object lesson that God gives Jonah. So this is what it says in Jonah chapter four, verse one. 
But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And the this here in parentheses is that God showed mercy on the city of Nineveh. To Jonah, God showing mercy to the city of Nineveh seemed very wrong. And Jonah became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate, God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. I mean, Jonah has just been overly dramatic this entire book. Every time something doesn't go his way, he says, God, just take me now. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die again and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, Jonah said, and I am so angry that I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? That's it. Also many animals. That's the last phrase of the book. You're like, okay, help me out here. So this is a, this is a super interesting passage. There's, there's uh, not that much in the Bible where you get this kind of back and forth uh, with God, and uh, then this really interesting object object lesson. So super interesting uh, passage. And uh, Jonah, so Jonah's really mad at God. And he prays this prayer to God that sounds really like, I knew you were loving and compassionate and kind. I just knew it. This is what I was trying to keep from happening. You being kind. And then God provides this leafy plant. It says leafy plant to grow up over Jonah and provide him shade in the desert. Jonah likes the shade. And then right on cue, God kills the plant, sends a worm, kills the plant right on cue. Jonah's upset. Let's look at verse 10. This is what God says to Jonah in verse 10. This is what I kind of want to focus on today, this object lesson, this plant that God gives and then takes away. God says in verse 10, but the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? God, God says to Jonah, you were concerned about the plant. You were worried about this plant. You didn't tend it at all. You hadn't cared for it. You didn't tend to it. Do you, do you hear the implication here? Of course God would be concerned about the city of Nineveh. He had been tending to it. He had been caring for it, providing and protecting Jonah's concerned about the plant. He didn't even tend to it. Of course, God would be concerned. He had been tending and caring. And do you feel this spectrum where shallow concern is on the far left at the very edge of one spectrum? And then as you move up that spectrum, you get 
tending and caring and helping make it grow, you get the real work. That shallow concern is like the minimum. Concern is easy. Anybody can be concerned. But the care, the tending, that's the work. And I think this is in part the message of Jonah. It's the message to Jonah and for Jonah that God tends to his people, all people. That God had been tending to Jonah, whether Jonah knew it or not, that God wasn't distant in his concern. He was close. He saved Jonah from drowning by bringing this huge fish and then saved Jonah from the fish by having the fish vomit him up. That God had been tending to him caring for him, helping him. And God had been tending to the Ninevites, even if Jonah didn't realize it. And even if Jonah didn't deem that group of people worthy to receive the care of God, God had been tending. And I I think we suffer from this uh, same issue that Jonah has here. I think we build these religious systems where God is concerned, but he's not caring. God is concerned, but he's not caring. We build these systems where God is policing, but he's not partnering. Where God's really concerned about a set of behaviors or a group of people, but he's not caring for them or partnering with them. It's easy to build these kinds of religious systems where we think of God as like a cosmic TSA agent, barking out instructions, telling people to move from one line to another another line, kind of rolling their eyes when it doesn't go as they yelled out to go, right? Plenty of concern about a set of behaviors, but no care. It's easy to think of God that way. But hear me and hear the wisdom of the story of Jonah. God is tending to his people. He's in the dirt. He's tending to the soil. He's never distant. He's close. And we may be expecting God to correct the behavior of a group of people that we deem unworthy, but instead of shallow concern, God offers care, tending, helping to make grow. This is the message of Jonah for us today, that we should receive the care of God and then tend to one another. Receive the care of God and then tend to one another. I think it's been easy for the church to think of God as a cosmic TSA agent that's just concerned about sets of behavior without actually caring or seeing or really know people because that's mostly what church people like to do. What kind of really religious church people like to do? We like to be TSA agents in our world. We like to be the gatekeepers. We like to bark out instructions yell at people when they get out of line. We like to be that kind of person, but we don't often want to do any of the hard work of caring. We just want that shallow concern. Richard Rohr says this. He says, many Christians whittle down the great gospel to some moral issue over which they can feel totally triumphant and superior and which usually asks nothing of them personally. The ego always insists on moral high ground. For example, celibate priests focusing on birth control and abortion as the core of evil 
heterosexuals seeing gay marriage as the ultimate threat to society, liberals invested in some current political correctness while living lives of rather total isolation from the actual suffering of the world, Bible thumpers ignoring most of the Bible when it asks them to change, a nation of immigrants being anti-immigrant, and so on, and so on, and so on. It's easy for us as religious people to have an opinion about others' behavior that asks nothing of ourselves. It's easy for us to take the moral high ground. It's what the ego always asks for, to have shallow concern and not compassionate care. And the invitation today is to move from concern to care, to not stand above with an opinion about behavior, but to get in the dirt and to start to care and tend. It's time to tend. So most of you know that I grew up in a kind of conservative Southern Baptist church context. I was a church kid, grew up going to church all the time. And there's plenty of good in that, and there's plenty of bad in that. And uh, my, my first kind of layer of, of deconstructing um, that whole thing uh, wasn't about theology. I got to the theology later, but my my first kind of layer of of that was more about uh, the culture of of that kind of world, of that uh, conservative evangelical Southern Baptist world. World. It was that culture that I just couldn't do anymore. I just decided, you know, I don't know about the uh, theology, but I know I can't be a part of these kinds of institutions. And one thing I realized is that uh, a lot of those places were very concerned about behavior without offering a lot of care or compassion. So in, in those spaces, I was taught that shallow concern was the same thing as compassionate care. Or that if you're concerned about someone's behavior, that somehow that is caring for them. So I, I want us to do some unlearning today, because I know a lot of us come from that same kind of church culture that says, if you're concerned about someone's behavior, that's care. So I just want us to unlearn a little bit of that today. And so I want to give you three phrases today to unlearn. So just take these out. These are phrases that we, uh, we sometimes think are, ca are caring, but they're really just shallow concern. Here's the first one. Here's the first phrase to unlearn. Uh, I have some advice for you. I have some advice for you. Advice isn't care. Oh, I can feel like it, can it? But it's not. Giving advice isn't care. And part of that is because tending, tending is about getting low. It's about being in the dirt with people. It's this is real posture of humility. And our, our offering of advice and our wanting to offer advice doesn't usually come from a place of real humility. And I think maybe because all of us have been given a platform via our social media accounts that we sometimes get convinced that everyone should hear our take, our advice about something. But advice just isn't that caring. And then the second phrase to unlearn, and I think this is a big one, is this. I've been so worried about you. I've been so worried about you. This one's tough because uh, it, it comes from a real place of honesty, but worry isn't care. Worry isn't care. Actually, sometimes when we express our worry for someone, what we end up doing is 
um, asking them to care for us. We're saying, I'm distressed. I'm distressed. Please care for me. Worry isn't care. Worry often just centers ourselves. And then third, this may be either a little more surprising to hear from me or a harder pill to swallow. I'm not sure. The third phrase to unlearn as we move uh, from shallow concern to compassionate care is this. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Telling people that Telling people you don't know very well that you're praying for them is probably our best example of kind of the passive-aggressive nature of religious contexts. So if you're a person that prays, and I hope you are, maybe you could try, can I pray for you? Or you could try this. You could say, uh, I have a list of people I pray for every day. Is there anything I could add to my list for you? It it, it turns out that our prayers aren't more effective the more people we tell about them. Might be the opposite way around. But this kind of passive, distant, I'll pray for you, I'll be praying for you. It's just shallow concern. I don't know if you've ever been on the other end of that where you have a real problem. And someone says, I'll be praying for that. Oh, shallow concern, but it's not often real care. Care is close. Care is real help. Care is humble. It's in the soil. It's in the dirt. Care is about knowing and seeing, and it's never from a place of ego or more moral high ground. Care involves us. Care is participatory. We don't get to care from a distance. And this is the message of Jonah. Receive the care of God and then tend to one another. So for you, do you believe that God is tending to you? Do you think of God as a cosmic TSA agent, just kind of yelling out instructions, telling us to get in line, concerned about our behavior, but not actually caring for who we are? Do you think of God like that? Do you believe that God is tending to you, caring for you? Maybe it would be helpful to just look in hindsight. That's often the easiest way to say, maybe something was happening there that I didn't understand. You know, when when Jonah uh, got eaten by that whale, it was probably hard to imagine that that was the care of God, that that was provision and protection instead of punishment. But if you get a few years out, you may be able to look back and say, uh, if I wouldn't have gotten swallowed by that whale, I would have drowned right there in in the middle of the sea. Maybe you could just look back a little bit. Do you believe that God is tending, caring for you? And do you have anyone in your life that you feel like is helping you grow, tending to you? And are you open to that? Are you open with people, with a community? Do you have friends or a partner that you say, yeah, they know enough about me. They know who I really am. They're able to see me in a way that they can offer me real care. Are there people in your life that you're open to? And then for you, are you a person who is tending to others? Are you caring for your world, whatever that world looks like? Are are you doing more than just offering your opinions? Are you doing more than just giving advice and expressing your worry? Are you doing more than just offering shallow concern? Are you tending? 
It might look like more curiosity. We talk about that a lot, but it might just look like more curiosity to help you participate with people. So instead of standing above them from a place of moral high ground, maybe to help you get in the dirt with them, you could just start asking some questions, right? So before you give advice, before you share how worried you are, before you share that you're praying for them, ask a question. How does that feel? How, how are you really? Has this last season been difficult for you? Maybe just ask some questions that could help you kind of get in the dirt with people. The invitation today from the wisdom of Jonah is to receive the care of God and then tend to one another. Jesus tells this great parable in, uh, in Luke 13, and uh, it's about a man who owns a vineyard, who's so the owner of a vineyard, and the owner uh, notices that there's a fig tree in his vineyard that hasn't produced any fruit in years. It's been at least three years, it says. So he calls the man who, uh, who cares for the vineyard. He calls him and he says, um, you've got to cut down that fig tree that hasn't produced any fruit what it says in the Bible. It says the, the owner of the vineyard said, it's not worth the soil. But the man who cared for the vineyard uh, said back to the owner of the vineyard, I can't cut it down. He said, give me some more time. I'll dig around it. I'll tend to it. I'll fertilize it. And the owner saw the tree as utilitarian. It served one purpose for him. But the man who cared for the vineyard, he wasn't willing to give up on the tree. He was in the fields every day with that tree. He was in the soil. He was in the dirt. He was digging around it. He was fertilizing it. He saw the slow progress and he wasn't willing to give up. He was caring. He was tending. He was close. And you care about what you care for. The shift for us from shallow concern to compassionate care, I think it has to start from within. We, stay, we say it often around here that, that transformation doesn't start with self-improvement. That transformation really begins with self-acceptance. We have to know, we have to believe, we have to embrace that the creator of the universe is in the dirt with us. It's why Jesus tells this story because he's saying, I am your advocate. I am seeing your slow progress. I don't think of you as utilitarian. I am pruning. I'm in the dirt. I'm caring. I'm fertilizing. Jesus says, this is who God really is. He's a caretaker. And I think if we're going to move from shallow concern to compassionate care, we have to believe that we are being cared for, that we are being tended. And as we accept that acceptance, that care and love and kindness, then we are free to give it away. And so gather, this is my prayer for you today. Look out and see a world of shared humanity. See a garden that needs to be lovingly tended. And then look in to see a fully accepted and totally worthy beloved child of God and look up to find that God has been caring and tending and working in ways you didn't see or realize. Today, open your heart to receive the care of God and then open your hands to tend to the world around you. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org 
or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.